You are the foundation of your family. You are the firm footing they build their lives on. You carry a glorious burden and you never dream of laying it down. You carry it with joy and gratitude. You show up even when you don't feel like it. You lead, serve, love, and protect. You are a father. This is the Dad Work Podcast, where men are forged into elite husbands and fathers by learning what it takes to become harder to kill, easier to love, and equipped to lead. Get ready to start building the only legacy that truly matters, your family. Welcome to another episode, man. This is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of DadWork. I am joined today by Stephen Arms. And I'm really excited about this because I recently read the book that he wrote with his father. It's called Milestone to Manhood. And it's all about how to run a rite of passage for your own sons. This is something that is absolutely vital for all young boys to be told by their fathers specifically, son, I now see you as a man. There's so much in our world that would be fixed, that would be better, that would hurt less for men if they knew that they were a man rather than trying to find out their manhood through racing cars or doing drugs or sleeping with countless women or whatever the case may be, success financially. Most of these things are actually men trying to prove that they are men when we as fathers could simply bestow the title on our son with an intentional rite of passage. So we go deep today talking about what a rite of passage even is, Stephen's personal experience having gone through a rite of passage, why it's so absolutely essential for all young men, how to run a rite of passage for your son, including very nitty-gritty details on resources, templates, rituals you can follow, why manhood must be bestowed by other men, and the importance of showing up as a man your son would want to emulate. Stephen Arms is a co-author of the book Milestone to Manhood, a Christian rite of passage to help your 13-year-old son make the leap from boyhood to manhood. In the book, Stephen shares his firsthand experience of his rite of passage weekend and reflects on how it shaped him into the man that he is today. Stephen lives in Portland, Oregon with his wife, Emily, and is the proud father of two young children. Milestone to Manhood shows how fathers of preteen boys can help their sons to successfully make the transition from boyhood to manhood. It is a father's responsibility to bestow the title of man on his son, and the book outlines a once-in-a-lifetime weekend to help a father do so. The weekend involves the other male role models in his son's life as well, like his grandfather, uncles, and older brothers, who all participate in order to make it clear to the boy that he is now considered to be a man. This coming-of-age ceremony is called his rite of passage. You can find that and everything else we talk about at milestonetomanhood.com. You can find the show notes to get that as well after you listen to this at dad.work slash podcast as usual. Guys, I love this episode because I read the book. I am applying the book as I plan for my own son's rite of passage. It's a few years away, but I am actively planning and anticipating running one of these for each of my sons. So guys, not only are you going to want to listen to this if you have sons almost at the 13-year-old age mark, but also get this on your radar if not, and we go through what might actually be important for you as a man to hear as well. If you never got this from your father, it's important to reflect on what that looks like in your life and where you might be trying to find your masculinity, where I also am able to share from my experience the thing that did it for me, rather than getting this rite of passage because I never got that and I was never told I was a man, so I know how it feels. All right, guys, let's jump into this. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please give us a rating or review on Apple and Spotify. It literally is the easiest and most helpful thing you can do if this show has been resonating with you because it gets it in the ears of more guys. We have to play the games with Apple and Spotify so guys can just find this when it shows up on uh, searching for dad podcast, for example. Unfortunately, I got to ask you to do that. And you know what? If you have been getting value, this is the, the simple thing that you can do to, to give back to allow more men to receive this work because I think this is life-changing, world-changing, and generational-changing work. All that being said, here is Stephen Arms. Let's go. 
All right, dads, we are here for another amazing episode of the Dad Work Podcast, and today I have got Stephen Arms with me because I just read his book, Milestone to Manhood, and it talks all about rites of passages for young boys, um, for 13-year-old boys specifically, and I want to get into maybe why the specifics there, but man, first of all, thank you for being here, and thank you for writing this book because I can see in my own life and the dads that I work with, we all could and should have had a rite of passage. So welcome, and thank you very much for doing this work. It's very important. Thanks for having me, Kurt. Yeah, so I am excited to get into this because like you, the way that the book is written, it's like your story. So you wrote from that sort of childhood experience to what it felt like, what it looked like, what it did for you. And I definitely want to get into that. Um, But maybe we should just start at the real basics. Like for guys who haven't heard this initiation or this rite of passage what are we talking about here? How would you define a rite of passage? For sure. So uh, in this context, I would define a rite of passage as an event that a boy can look back on in his life and remember that that was the moment that I became a man. Um, like you said, most guys don't have a clear rite of passage in their life. For most guys, it's either when they get married or buy their first house or have their first kid that that's when they consider themselves to be a man, or they still don't consider themselves to be a man. You know, they're still questioning things and um, trying to figure out their own masculine identity. And so I would say that's the benefit of this rite of passage weekend is that when a father straight up tells his son, I consider you no longer to be a boy now, but in my eyes, you're a man, then the boy doesn't question it. So the boy goes through his teenage years and his 20s with this confidence in his masculine identity because his father gave it to him. It's a gift. Mm, Man, I I can just speak to the opposite effect of that. And I want to hear more about your experience uh, with that in your life. But it took me like even even like a few years ago, I was still feeling like that boy. I hadn't closed that chapter fully. And I was like, not a great dad. I was not a great husband because I still felt like that, man, I don't even know who I really am. Like, am I a man yet? When does that feel like it? Why do I feel like when I'm in the presence of a man, I feel it, I see it. You know what like a man so-called looks like, feels like, whatever. And I was like, I don't really feel that. And it took me joining men's communities, getting into men's work, being around other intentional good men to almost go through that in my 30s Whereas your experience, like 13 years old, man, I can't even imagine. So you want to just like maybe talk about how that has impacted you. And I know it's tough because, you know, we don't have the opposite side of what it might have looked like if you didn't go through this. But has this been actually a massive thing in your life? Yeah, I would say yes, for sure. Um, The ways that it impacted me was, for one, in my teenage years, I was really confident in my masculine identity. And I don't mean to say that in like a cocky way that I was walking around with my chest puffed out or that I was some stud 13 year old. Not, not in that way. Um, what I mean by that is that anytime someone outside of the family ever like offhandedly called me or referred to me as a boy, like in high school, you know, the teachers would say, boys, like settle down, you know, whenever a, a parent or an adult would say something like that, immediately the first thought in my mind was, I'm not a boy, I'm a man, because my dad told me. This person just doesn't know that in my family, I'm actually a man, you know? And so I, as I went through my teenage years, I was very confident, like, I'm a man because my dad told me, you know? And I would say the second way that it impacted me was that I really developed a very strong relationship with my dad and my grandfather. So part of this rite of passage weekend is that it doesn't just involve the dad, but it involves other men in a boy's life. So for me, on my rite of passage weekend, there was my dad there, but also my grandfather and two of my uncles. And at the end of the week, during the weekend, you know, we were engaging in talks and doing these exercises, talking about what is manhood? What does it mean to be a good man? um, What is the role of faith in a man's life? And one thing that was said throughout the weekend was, as you go into your own journey of manhood, if you ever come into rough spots, which you will, you'll have 
highs and lows. You'll go through some tough times in life. And if you're having questions, please come to us because we love you. We have your best intention. We, um, we have your best intention in mind and, uh, we won't judge you. You please use us as, uh, as mentors, you know? And so I felt like I could trust these guys because they had opened up to me on the, on our weekend, um, about their own lives and some of their own struggles. So it was really in college where I was really starting to question everything about how I was raised, you know, um, my faith, my political views, like, I think that happens a lot to people in college, you know, all of a sudden your kind of bubble is burst and you you meet new people and new ideas and it challenges you, you know, you have to think about what do you believe, not what do your parents believe or how, how were you raised? And as I was kind of going through that questioning period in my life, I remembered back to my rite of passage weekend as a 13 year old. And I remembered them saying, please come to us. If you have questions, we won't judge you. We love you unconditionally. And it was those words that ultimately gave me the trust to go back to my grandfather and to my dad and say, Hey dad, I'm really having questions here. Can you help me navigate these? You know, and they weren't able to answer all of my questions, but they were able to share more about their own journey as men and, um, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I would say, uh, for sure for in my life, um, I'm not sure that I would be a practicing Christian today if it wasn't for this weekend. Man, when I hear that kind of thing, like one of my, one of the biggest fears that I'm, you know, considering years away is like the kids leave and I didn't do enough to secure that influence with them and they leave and they get into question, like questioning period like you and they walk away from me, from faith, from like everything that I know is good. Um, and to like, I can't even imagine, dude, like personally, I would never have brought anything important to my dad or the men in my family because it was just like, oh, you, there's no, there's no leadership. There's no trust. There's no influence. There's none of that. So I better just figure it out on my own. And I think so many guys walk through and figure it out on their own. And actually that brings me to um, this quote that I just want to, I want to share the quote because it's so good and it's so right from this book. And then I want to move on to like what an actual rite of passage looks like. But it says, as men, we cannot instill our own sense of manhood in ourselves. We need other men to tell us that we are a man before we actually believe it. And that's what my family did for me. So that's a quote from you in your book, Milestone to Manhood. And that just, man, I'd like triple underline that one. And going like, it's just the way of things, the lone wolf mentality, the individualism, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. You cannot have masculinity really firmly, maturely rooted unless it is bestowed. And that's a hard lesson that I learned. It's something I'm taking into my own parenting journey now. And how can I bring that to my kids? Um, but actually, before we get into like the, the how and the what and the why of the rite of passage, where are you today? Like, are you, let me just, let me just fact check you here. Are you like uh, happy, successful? You got a family. What is, what is um, Steven's life look like these days? Sure. So um, I would say, yeah, I am happy and uh, successful in, in the way that I have a lot of love in my life. Um, I uh, got, I was married in 2000. My wife and I got married in 2018 um, we have two children. Our daughter is three years old and our son is one year old and we have a third one on the way, um, Congrats. due in March of, thank you, due in March of next year. And yeah, I mean, I have a really, uh, loving and supportive family. Um, my dad is like one of my best friends and I feel so, uh, so blessed and so lucky to have him in my life. Um, he's really, just someone that I, I really look up to, you know, he, uh, my dad didn't have a father figure in the house because his dad, his mom and dad separated when he was five years old. So my dad grew up not really knowing, you know, how to be a father or how to be a man because there was no man or no father in his house. And I really respect my dad because of the man and the father that he turned out to be, you know, I mean, 
by no means was he perfect. That's for sure. He has his own shortcomings, but uh, he does his best to um, to lay down his life for his wife and for his kids. And uh, I really respect him for that. You know. Yeah. So I would say that you know, with this rite of passage and just the type of parents that I was, I had like I, I feel. I consider myself to be very lucky. Yeah. And man, like that, that can't be overstated. And I know a lot of people are, you know, when they think of success or whatever, it's a very quantitative thing. Uh, you know, you got the money, you got the kids, you got the house, you got the whatever. Um, but if you just think, if you're listening to this podcast and you just think like, what would success truly be? Can you imagine as a son respecting and loving your father enough to want to be around him and to trust him, uh, as a father, like, I'm just thinking from your dad's perspective, Men, like I want my kids to say all the things you just said about me because I don't have that role model either. Like my dad was around, but he got divorced when my, uh, when I was three and, you know, we were intermittently on and off with him. And I, I feel like I'm making it up as I go along. And it's because of mentors and good, uh, elders and other men in my life and books like this, honestly, that I'm like, oh, I can lean on real men now, but I would have been completely lost. And so if I can get, so my son someday tell someone that like, Hey man, I respect my dad because he didn't have that. And look at what he did. That's winning at everything I care about. Uh, so I just want to like really underscore that for you guys listening, because if this was such an important part of your life to get to where you are today and to just solidify that manhood, like guys, we got to listen up to this. Um, and I want to get in now to maybe a little bit about how, to do this. We figured out why it's so important. Sounds amazing. Uh, I, I long for this in my past, <laughs> in, a, in a sense. Uh, we've got your story, but can you help us now maybe just envision what this looks like? So you guys have written a very specific style. Um, I've read another book, um, Raising a Modern Day Knight, which I really enjoy. But So there's, there's a million ways to do this, I suppose, but I really like the simplicity and the step-by-steps you guys give in the book. Um, do you want to maybe either walk us through just from your experience, what you remember about the rite of passage, or you can go, go and take the sort of, you know, step one, two, three, um, course, but how would you approach maybe giving us some insight into what a rite of passage looks like? For sure. So to start off, I'll say that the rite of passage is a surprise for the boy. So when I had my rite of passage at 13 years old, I had no idea that it was coming. And I actually have an older brother uh, who's two years older than me, and he had a rite of passage. Um, but he and my dad and my grandfather all kept it a secret that I was going to have one too. And really, the element of surprise is meant to um, to make the boy feel like the weekend is all about him and to make him feel special and unique. You know, if in our family, if the boys knew that, you know, this weekend is coming, I think they would kind of have, we would, we would have developed like preconceived notions of like, oh, everybody gets this weekend. It's just a normal thing. It's just a weird thing that my family does. Um, and maybe they would kind of drag their feet into the weekend. But when it's a surprise, the boy goes into it with a whole fresh set of eyes. You know, he doesn't see it coming. He has no uh, baggage attached to the weekend. So the first element of it is the element of surprise. And then the second thing is what I alluded to earlier is that it's not just the father, but it's other male uh, mentors and role models in the boy's life. You know, undoubtedly, the father is the most important man in a boy's life. And he should take, ideally, he should take the lead in organizing one of these weekends and telling his son, I want you to know, I no longer consider you to be a boy, but in my eyes, you're a man. I think every father has the responsibility to tell his son that at some point in his life. But the thinking behind having other men present on the weekend is that, you know, at 13 years old, boys and girls are starting to develop that tension with their parents, right? They're maturing, they're, they're starting to spread their wings and they want independence. And so inevitably they rebel. And a lot of times they don't listen to mom and dad, right? But when you have other men there, men who he, the boy respects, um, but doesn't necessarily have that same proximity to, you know, he's not uh, living under the same roof as, as this man, then 
that man might say something that dad has been saying for three months, but just hearing it come out of the mouth of a man who's not dad, it might finally sink in, you know? So that was the case for me, like having these, having four men instead of just one man take me away and say, we all consider you to be a man. It's like, well, there's no way I can question this now because I saw all four of those men in my eyes were like, you're clearly a man, you know? All these guys are married and have kids and are hard workers. Like as a 13 year old, those were the best examples of men in my life. And they all told me, you're a man in this family now. So that's the second element of the weekend is that it, it's not just the dad, but it involves other men as well. And, and then moving on from there, um, the weekend itself is made up of uh, seven different rituals. And the purpose of the rituals are to, uh, to give the weekend meaning. You know, um, in our family, we knew that if we didn't have like certain tasks, that if you put five guys in a cabin for a weekend, we would probably just go fishing the whole time. You know, I think... There's that um, that reluctancy in all of us to talk about deep things. You know, a lot of times um, as men, we, we want to stay at the surface level and not dig up like the important, talk about the important things in life because that takes vulnerability, right? Like to talk about your strengths and your weaknesses is not an easy thing to do. So the purpose of these rituals was really to give the weekend structure and meaning so that um, the boy could look back on it and was like, wow, that was an amazing weekend. It wasn't super shallow. It was like very meaningful. And we engaged in some really good discussions. Mm, man, that's awesome. And I'm just thinking here, like, if you are in a situation where let's say the boy doesn't have uncles, you don't have a grandparent around, what are some other examples of men you could, you could bring to this that would make sense without it being like, you know, the the son maybe doesn't really know them that well, or like, can you give us a sense of who else might be involved? Yeah. So, um, other examples would be like older brothers. Uh, so again, in my family, once you're, once you go through this weekend, you're considered to be a man. That means you get to go on the rite of passage weekends for the younger uh, brothers and nice. younger cousins. So I had one at 13 but I also attended my younger brother's rites of passage and my younger cousin's rite of passage. So, you know, and I was only, you know, 17, 18 at the time for those ones. Um, so it could be older brothers, older cousins. Um, it could be like I did Boy Scouts growing up. So a uh, scoutmaster might be appropriate. If you do martial arts, maybe your, mm. your headmaster. Um, any man that the boy has a good relationship with and ultimately the you want to pick the type of man that you want your son to turn out to be so i think that's that's the criteria is it's got to be a good man who uh, you want to influence you, you trust to influence positively on your son and two the boy already has somewhat of a relationship with him it doesn't have to be super close but it, this should not be the first time that your boy is meeting this man Right. Okay. Yeah. I like what you said there. I wrote down as a note, like good fruit. You want the fruit of their lives to be very evident, I would suggest, or I would assume. Um, also, I just am thinking um, in my situation as well, like maybe you could ask the pastor, maybe you could ask like close family friends um, if there's a father, because we, yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking about like, okay, who am I going to invite? And uh, those are maybe a couple of good ideas as well. Would you agree? Yeah, okay. for sure. hundred percent. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, are you open to sharing a couple of these rituals? I know that, you know, a guy should just go to Amazon and buy the book, um, which is really good and has all of these and a lot of like other options to make it your own, which I really enjoy. So like there's a step-by-step, -step. you can just like literally copy it in the back of the book and do it, but there's also more ideas. Can you give us some sense? I don't know how much you want to share if any, but, um, what are some of those rituals that you partook in? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm an open book. I'm happy to talk about all of it. Okay, sweet. Let's do it. I want to lay out like, if, if possible, I'd love to lay out like a full thing and then, you know, get the personal side, get the book, get this checklist that are in the back of it. Um, but if you're open, man, I would really appreciate like as much as much details as you're comfortable sharing. Absolutely. Thank you. So the first ritual is a, uh, an entrance ceremony. 
And the thinking behind this is that when we look at other rite of passage events, whether that's graduation from high school, right? Your high school is ending, you have a graduation ceremony, and then you go into college or the working life. Or um, if it's like a, a wedding ceremony, you know, your single life is ending and your married life is beginning. In both those examples, a graduation ceremony or a wedding ceremony, there's always an entrance ceremony, right? There's all the, all the graduates process in or in a wedding, the groomsmen's, the groomsmen, the bridesmaid, they all process in. So uh, we included an entrance ceremony in our rite of passage as well. And what that looked like was uh, starting with a prayer. So the group uh, says a prayer and also uh, reading a passage from scripture, the story of Moses encountering God in the form of a burning bush. And there's a few reasons why we pick that passage, why it's appropriate. Um, one is that in the passage, he's, God says, um, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And because this weekend is about bestowing the title of man from one, from one generation onto the next, we thought that was a really appropriate line to include that our God is not just your God, but it's also the God of your fathers. You know, this faith is not just your faith, but it's also the faith of your fathers. So we thought something about that passage just made it, it made sense for this weekend. Um, the other reason why we picked that passage is because once we go into the cabin, the boy is responsible for lighting a fire in the wood stove. And the fire represents the presence of God throughout the weekend. Um, you know, fire in the story, uh, fire in the form of the burning bush is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And just like in real, in, in everyday life, you know, we have this uh, flame of faith. And sometimes that flame is hotter, sometimes it's colder. But what's most important is that that flame, we, we don't ever allow that flame to to be extinguished, right? So when we enter into the cabin, we the boy lights the fire, and then he's responsible for keeping that fire going throughout the entire weekend, throughout the two days. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he's the one always putting on wood into the fire and feeding it. He actually is responsible for maintaining it by delegating to the other men, at this time, you need to feed the fire, at, at this time, you need to feed the fire. And that teaches the boy leadership skills, right? I mean, here he is 13 years old, and he's telling these grown men what to do. You know, he's probably never experienced that type of responsibility before. So part of the weekend is giving the boy um, leadership responsibilities and showing him that as a man, it's not about doing everything yourself, but it's about being part of a team and sometimes being a leader of that team and taking charge. So uh, that's the first step of the weekend is the entrance ceremony. Mm, I, I Actually, that is one of my favorite things I read in the entire book was the leadership choices that you were forced to make. Um, it's so profound. You've got all these men now who you always look up to now asking you and looking at you expectantly. And that was like, that was maybe for me the most powerful visual of these men waiting expectantly. And there's more in that where like, you had to figure out who's sleeping where you had to figure out like who's cleaning up, who's cooking, man, like, how did you go through that? What was the thought process when you were making those choices? Like, were you worried about it? And like, how has that maybe impacted your ability to lead moving forward? Yeah, I would say as a 13-year-old, what I remember is being really caught off guard when they told me that. Like, you need to pick who's going to cook dinner and who's going to clean up dinner. You're going to pick who sleeps in which bed, you know? It was like, you know, my grandfather was in his 60s at the time. And it's like, seems like he should have first dibs at whatever bed he wants, right? But no, they were all looking at me saying, you need to decide where people sleep tonight. And... So as a 13-year-old, yeah, I was nervous. I thought, you know, what if I make the wrong decision and this person gets mad at me? You know, like, 
he's still my grandfather. They're still my uncles. You know, I don't, I don't know what I would do if they got upset at me, you know, obviously they didn't, you know, with every decision I made, they just kind of rolled with it and, uh, it worked out for the best. But yeah, I think that's a super important part of the weekend is giving the boy responsibility as, as a leader, uh, at certain times. Yeah. And so you had the ceremony. I mean, I, I assume that with the element of surprise, like you don't even know what's going on until you get there. Basically. Is that more or less true? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the whole <laughs> weekend, wild. the men, the men know exactly what's going to happen. You know, they've actually prepared for a lot of these, uh, exercises. There's kind of homework that they have to do beforehand, but the boy, as he goes to the weekend, he doesn't know what's coming next. So the, the weekend itself is a surprise, but also, the rituals inside of it is a surprise for the boy too. Right. Okay. And yeah, I, I love the, um, just the illusion of sort of the planning that goes into it because, um, like I, I have created this leadership and legacy document, I guess I'd call it. It's almost like a business plan for my life as a father and a husband. And one of those things is like milestones. And I don't want to miss things like this, even though they're for me, three, five, you know, 10 plus years away. Um, I'm writing these things down so that I know in, you know, whatever year, 2024, 2025, I need to get a start on talking to the men, getting some letters written, booking a cabin, doing all these things. Uh, and that intentional planning needs to start now, potentially, depending on how old your kids are, but at the very least know what date it needs to start. Um, because maybe, yeah, what, maybe we'll take this in a little bit of the planning direction, which will give us some more of those rituals you mentioned. Um, so what does it look like then to plan one of these as the father? What are your responsibilities and how do you get the other men to buy in? So you're, you are in a good place, Kurt, because you know about this weekend. Um, your son is 10 years old, so you have roughly three years to prepare. You're in a good place for sure. Um, what preparing for the weekend looks like, I would say the first step is like, even having this idea, this notion of a rite of passage on your radar, you know, most guys don't even know that this is an option, you know? So step one is just finding out about having this concept of a rite of passage. The second step I would say is identifying the men that you want to invite. Um, we talked about that earlier, you know, like what you should be looking for in these guys. Um, and then you have to explain what the weekend is to these guys, why you want to do it, and what's involved in the weekend. And that's a lot of work to, to do that. So what we decided, you know, our family has been organizing these weekends for 19 years. Uh, it's been this tradition, this beautiful family tradition in our lives. And we've sent, you know, hundreds of emails back and forth within the family uh, to pull these things off. And we realized, you know, we have all this information already put together. Why don't we clean this up a bit and essentially share it with the rest of the world? So on our website, which is milestone to manhood.com, you can go there and we have five email templates that you just copy and paste. And it explains what a rite of passage weekend is, why you want to do it, and then specifically how the men can prepare for the weekend. Um, we don't ask for your email address. You know, I know that's kind of a barrier for a lot of guys. They don't want to get spammed. So we thought, you know, let's just make this a copy and paste. You know, obviously you'll have to put in things like the location that you want to do it, the actual date, the name of the guys, the names of the guys. But we really gave you 80%. You're 80% there if you just go to our website and copy and paste these emails. It explains everything to your team. Man, that's amazing. Okay, well, that will be in the show notes, dad.work slash podcast, if you didn't catch that. Um, man, that makes it so easy. It's I'm just like, okay, I want to talk about all this so the guys can listen and then get the book and then go to the, the website because it's like literally all done for you. Um, and maybe we should just like keep going to excite guys about the potential for this because um, there were a lot of cool things that you guys did at your rite of passage. Uh, so I'd like to get a couple more of those rituals from you if you have them and then maybe even know if there are anything that you guys have added since yours that were like, oh man, we really should have done this. Um, so yeah, what are some more of those rituals that really stood out to you? For sure. So the first kind of sharing exercise is a discussion of what it means to be a man. And 
this discussion, you know, the whole group sits around in a circle and each guy, depending on how many men are there, you know, if you have four guys or eight guys, you kind of have to adjust the, the length that you give each man. But every man is given the opportunity to share with the boy what it means to him to be a man and what it means to be a good man, you know? And so these are things like honesty, integrity, respecting women at all times, being a hard worker, the importance of faith in his life, whatever is kind of his core principles, this is his opportunity to share it with the boy. And the men really tried to um, to tell a story behind why it's so important to them. Um, so like my grandfather, for example, he, it, it was really important to him to be cheerful and friendly. He was he really tried to have a positive attitude all the time. And he would share that one reason for this is because he was a police officer for almost 30 years. And he realized as a police officer that it's a lot easier to, as a, it's a lot easier as a police officer, if you can get the person who you're dealing with on your side, you know, whether that's giving them a smile or giving them a compliment um, just treating them like a human, you know, and instead of being like rough and tough, you know, which, you know, police officers go through a lot. So it, it makes sense that a lot of cops, you know, kind of get hardened and show that, you know, stoic face. But his approach to life was like, no, if I can be friendly and nice to this person, then I can kind of get them on my side, you know. So that was the men would share kind of their values and then try to tie in a story or two behind it. And the thinking behind this is, you know, as a 13 year old boy doesn't really have much life experience, if any, you know, real life experience, mm -hmm. but the men have a ton of life experience. So anything that can be any wisdom that can be passed down from one generation to the next is as good as gold for this boy you know, because he has no experience and the men have plenty of it. Awesome. And then, so that's like a, a sharing circle sort of thing. There's no letters exchanged at that point yet. Correct. That's just a sharing exercise. Later in the weekend, there is uh, the gifting of letters. So every man on the weekend, but also uh, the women in the boy's life. So his mom, his grandmothers, uh, his aunts, or men who aren't there. So, you know, like if it's his football coach or his scout master, you know, who, who aren't there, but the boy has a relationship with, they all write the boy a letter. And this letter, it's kind of open. Um, you can talk about what the boy means to you. You could talk about advice about being a man. You could talk about the importance of faith in your own life. Um, but really it's meant to kind of be this memento that he can keep for the rest of his life. You know, the, the verbal discussions are good because you're, you're having those conversations, you're kind of getting deep, you know? Um, but the letters are also good because he can keep them forever. You know, I still have my letters in a binder and I read them, you know, once a year, once every two years. And they're really meaningful to me, especially because uh, a couple of my grandparents have passed away since my rite of passage. So, you know, obviously I can't sit down and have a conversation with them, but I can sit down and read their letters, you know, and that's an incredible gift. So in the weekend, there is that verbal element of it, but there's also the written element too. Okay, awesome. And then um, the other one that comes to mind that I recall is the, um, like the, the, what is it, the sticks with the ribbons on them? Um, would you give a quick explanation as to what that one looks like? Because I really love the the forced vulnerability of sharing the weakness as well. Yeah. So one of the exercises is called the ribbon ceremony. And in the ribbon ceremony, every man and, and the boy goes outside and they get a stick off the ground, you know, maybe two to three feet in length. And on the stick, the men have six ribbons. And on the ribbons, they write, three positive character traits and three negative character traits that they see in themselves. So the positive might be honest, hardworking, and loyal. And the negative might be 
lustful, greedy, and lazy. Those are just some examples. And then the men go around in a circle and they share what they wrote down and why they wrote it down, you know? So they're sharing with the group what they think they're really good at and they're sharing with the group what they think they need to work on. Once everyone has shared, the boy goes around the room and he takes, he unties the character traits that he wants to emulate in his own life. He unties them off of the sticks from the men and he ties them onto his own stick. And this is really meant to be a physical representation that as a man, the other men in our lives have an incredible impact on us. You know, there's that saying, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time, your most time with. Um, we also have this ability to emulate positive character traits from people that are close to us. You know, my father-in-law, for example, he's always, he's really, he's a words of affirmation person. You know, he's always complimenting my wife, his, his daughter about how beautiful she is, how smart she is. He's just a words of affirmation person. And that's something that I have tried to emulate from him. You know, I see how he can speak life into these people and encourage people, you know, and it's like, man, I want to be like that, you know? So I see him doing that and I'm like, yeah, I want to emulate that in my own life. So the, the ribbon ceremony is really good at a physical representation of how we can do that as men. Mm, and then yeah. I was going to say, go so that the men of the group ideally are left with sticks full of all their negative character traits. And uh, the purpose of that is to show the boy that, you know, no man is perfect and that we all have uh parts about ourselves that we don't necessarily necessarily like, and that we all are on this journey to become the best versions of ourselves, you know? And it's not about pointing out the flaws in your son, you know? The, the boy too has character traits that are negative, but what what the ribbon ceremony does well is that it shows the boy that we all have these character flaws and that it's up to us to fix them. No one's going to fix it for us, you know? So what the men do is they take those ribbons, they untie it from their sticks, and they actually place them in the fire that the boy had lit at the beginning of the weekend, um, which represents one, uh, their desire to burn away their defects, right? They are committed as a group of men to support one another in improving themselves. Two, you know, as a family that uh, is as a family of faith, as a family that is a, uh, practices our Christian faith, um, the fire represents God. And so putting the ribbons in the fire shows not our own self-reliance to do this, but our reliance upon God to help us become better versions of ourselves. Mm, man, there's so many facets to that. It's so good, so meaningful. And man, these are some of the things that I go like, you could do these with other men, you could sit down and like, never mind the rite of passage, like container. You could just do this as a group of intentional men, as a men's group or or something like that, a fellowship group. Um, and man, there's so much to all of that. Um, I can only imagine the the impact on a child. And one thing that you mentioned that brought this to mind, one of the other most important parts uh, that I took away, even though it's like a passing line in the book, was that you must not be focused on your son's negative aspect. It's not about, hey, you know, son, you'll be a good man when you stop doing this. It's like all positivity. And I wonder if you want to talk very briefly about that in affirmation. Yeah, I would say that, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier that you're really trying to give the, the boy a template on <clears throat> how to improve himself, how to see his own negative character traits so that he can fix himself. You know, um, the, the truth is, is that as fathers, you know, ideally we outlive our sons, you know, and that means one day they won't have us there, you know? So if, if you feel like it's your responsibility to fix your son, well, you're not going to be there all the time, you know? So mm. it's not your job to fix your son. It's your job to teach your son how he can fix himself. Well said. I love that. That's definitely going, that's one of the clips, man. That's a good, good <laughs> quote. Cause that's, um, it's yeah, man. That, like I've never, 
quite thought about it like that. And I want my kids to be independent and like, actually I had a man named Ken Curry on the podcast recently and he was talking about how um, beyond protecting and providing, he thinks the most important thing that a man can give his son is self-identity which is being uh, internally referenced and Godwardly referenced rather than externally referenced, like, oh, what does everyone else want of me? And that includes affirmation and saying, you know, you might feel bad sometimes, you might think you're bad sometimes, you're not actually, you know, a POS or whatever it is. Like, you are good and I love you regardless of these defects or sins or whatever. Um, and to be the shame-killing voice in his head. Yeah. And that's that's difficult for me, man, because I go to correction just being quite honest, I go to correction much more than I do uh, shepherding a lot of the yeah. times. Um, but to hear it reflected like this, it's like, oh man, every time I correct, I'm I'm stopping him from learning the skill of self-development. Yeah. Ooh, man, that, that lands. Yeah, I mean, you know, as Christian dads, you know, God is, um, he's perfect mercy and he's perfect justice. You know, there's kind of those two hands of God and uh, as fathers, we are really reflections of God in our son's lives, you know? And so that means sometimes we need to be merciful and sometimes, which is that kind of, you know, affirming your son and loving him, you know? And then sometimes we need to be just, you know, which is disciplining your son and telling him you were wrong here, you know, and there's going to be consequences for your actions. So I think that's the balance that every father needs to figure out, you know, is yeah. what is that balance between mercy and justice. Absolutely, man. That has been continually on my mind. And I think it will be forever because it's, it, it's not, I'm not going to be perfect at it ever. And yet I will strive to find that perfect balance. Um, because anything else is not giving my all and not being the father that I want to be and not striving to be, uh, like my heavenly father. And that is so good to keep that in mind because it takes discernment. And for me in my life, I have found that mature masculinity is basically just discernment. You get to sit in the middle and you get to, as each opportunity arises, decide, am I going to do one side? Am I going to the other? What's the right you know, uh, portion of each? What's the right ratio? And then to take action from that place of intention rather than just flailing all over with drift or inertia or whatever. Um, yeah, and that's, I'm curious, like we can go back into the, um, uh, like the rituals and stuff if you want, if there's more to add to that. But I'm curious how you are now thinking about this as a father of a son. And I, I know there is, um, having read the book, like uh, a female version of this as well, but just talking about fathers and sons right now, what has come to mind for your son? Is this just like a no brainer? Like, oh yeah, of course we're going to do that. It's going to be fine. Like, can't wait to do it. Or is it like, is it different now being on the other side where you are about to be preparing in the next, you know, 10, whatever years, uh, for your own son? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, my son is one year old right now, so I have 12 years until we, we cross that bridge. Right now, I would say, I don't think I'm going to really change the weekend at all. Like, you know, like I said, our family's been doing this for 19 years. We had six boys go through this weekend, and then I think seven girls go through the weekend. So we've kind of, you know, reiterated it every weekend, and got it to this place where it's a pretty smooth process, you know? Um, so I don't think that I'm really going to touch the weekend as far as like the different rituals or what we do. Um, obviously there will be different guys on the weekend, you know, my dad, uh, my father-in-law, my brothers, you know, hopefully all those guys will still be around to attend my son's rite of passage weekend. So the weekend will be different because it will have different men in it. Um, but I think part of it too, is like being able to read your son, you know, and again, my son is one year old. So, uh, there's a lot that I still have to learn about him and as he develops, which I'm really looking forward to, but every boy is different. And I think that you can kind of read your boy and maybe adjust the rite of passage, depending on his personality. Um, and our weekend, you know, we, before the weekend actually starts, we would always engage in kind of a fun icebreaker opportunity. So for me, that was before the weekend started, we went fishing on the lake, you know, just the guys fishing for a couple hours, you know, my uncles, I didn't see them all the time. So this was just an opportunity to spend quality time with the guys before delving into these kind of deeper discussions. Um, but 
you know, other boys that we held the weekend for, they weren't quite as like adventurous, you know, like fishing for them was like, they just wouldn't have enjoyed it, you know? So for one of them, we went to a, uh, we went to a go-karting place, um, as kind of our fun icebreaker as a group. Another icebreaker that we did was, uh, repelling. So down into a cavern, um, like basically the opposite of, uh, rock climbing, you know, going down instead of going up. So I would say that there's different, um, because every boy's personality is different. You can kind of adjust the weekend depending on, uh, your son. Okay. So you've got the icebreaker at the beginning. Does he know at that point what's going on? No, even okay. then he doesn't. <laughs> well, so he knows that the weekend is going to be his rite of passage. He knows that, uh, it's not just him and his dad, but all the men are together for the special weekend. So, uh, at that point, the cat is out of the bag that he's going to have a rite of passage. He just doesn't know like, well, what exactly does this week is this weekend going to look like? And right. that's really an opportunity for the dad to say like, just trust the process. It's going to be an amazing weekend. Have fun with the guys. You know, this is something that's going to be really special for you. Yeah. And you guys also cap it with an actual party too. So it's not all like, you know, you're a man now, son, you get no more birthday parties. You get no more cake, no more nothing like get to work. Um, so I like that as well, because like you, you start off with icebreaker, which makes a ton of sense, loosen, loosen everyone up, do the really intense weekend and then finish with this party where everyone's there, but he's coming back different and he gets to re-engage in the family, but uh, as a man now while still having this fun party. Um, is there anything else to add to that? Yeah, I would say that, you know, when you look at other examples of rites of passages around the world, whether that's the Jewish bar mitzvah, or in Australia, the Aboriginal society has the walkabout rite of passage. In every rite of passage that you see, there's this element of separation. The boy is separated from the group. There's this challenge. Um, and then there's the reincorporation back into society. You know, And I've never been to a bar mitzvah myself, but I've heard that those parties afterwards can get pretty wild. You know, like they're these really joyful celebrations, you know, um, I heard that there's kind of this, uh, this loose tradition where they'll put the boy on a chair and they'll like literally raise the boy. The men will literally raise the boy on a chair above their heads, you know, showing like his position in life has gone up, right? He's ascended from boy to man that, and the men are lifting him up. So, Every other rite of passage around the world has this kind of celebration aspect to it. And we wanted to include that in our weekend as well. So after the whole weekend, there's just kind of a regular birthday party for the boy, you know, pizza, cake, and uh, soda pop. Amazing. All right, man. The two things I want to make sure we cover, so I'm going to go into it. If we have more time after that, we'll get into more stuff as well. Um, The two things are, was there and what did it look like? if there were discussions before and after about manhood and masculinity. Um, and then the, the second thing is basically like what changed when you got back? What did it mean? What did it look like to be a man? So let's start with like, did your dad sit down with you? And when you were like 10 and be like, well, son, you know, here's what I think about being a man. Did he show it? Did he tell it? Like, was there any intentional conversation beforehand? Uh, and then we can go to after as well. You know, I, I don't remember there being intentional conversation, definitely not to the same level as this weekend. I'm sure that growing up, my dad made comments about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a good person, you know, the difference between right and wrong. Absolutely. My dad was having those conversations, none to the level of what this rite of passage is. Um, And what I mean by that is like specific intentionality of like sitting down and doing sharing exercises. I don't remember ever doing that with my dad before this weekend. I do remember, and maybe this is worth saying, but this weekend, this 13-year-old rite of passage weekend is not the birds and the bees talk. I, I, If I remember correctly, I think I had that talk with my dad around 10 years old. You know, um, So this weekend, and that conversation can be, it can kind of rock the boat for the boy, right? It can kind of stir up some emotions in him, you know? Um, 
So this weekend is not supposed to be the birds and the bees talk. They should be two separate things. Uh, I think that might be worth throwing out there. And then, but I would say, you know, before the weekend, really it's, it's most important just to show through your actions what it means to be a good man to your son, right? Mm -hmm. If you go on this weekend and you're having all these conversations about what it means to be a good man, but for the last 13 years, you as a father haven't been that example, then your words are going to fall on deaf ears because you have to back up your words with your actions. You, you can't be a hypocrite when you're saying all this stuff. So in one way, the best way to prepare for the weekend is just to be that example that you're going to talk about to your son. I literally had that as one of the things I wanted to talk about. So I'm glad you touched on that because it, it does mention that many of the men uh, aren't even confident in their own masculinity today. And it's so important to be that good man, which is why I'm doing this work in the first place, which is like, guys, we have to become a better man before we can become a better husband, which leads us to becoming a better father. Like all of these things have to start with you. Whether you like sure. it or not, you are, like you said before, the only person who can and who is responsible for changing to be that excellent father and the excellent man that you want your son, hopefully, to become one day. And if you don't want your son to become who you are today, man, it's time to make some changes. Um, yeah. What about afterwards? Like, I guess both of these questions are, are the same then. After you come back anything change? You're just like, okay, I'm a man now. I guess that's cool. Like what was it? What did it actually look like? And were there follow-up conversations along the way? So there was one follow-up conversation, um, maybe like two weeks to a month after the weekend. Um, one of the men would take the, the new man, no longer a boy, the new man, he would take him out, um, to lunch and just kind of talk about the weekend follow-up. If he, you know, had any more questions or if there was anything that just wasn't sitting right with him. Um, but also ask that 13 year old man, you know, how would you change the weekend? Like what was, um, what was your favorite part and what was your least favorite part? And really that was how we as a family were able to improve the weekend from one, from one rite of passage to the next is just getting that feedback from the boy. So that was, um, one of the purposes of having that lunch after. Um, and then as far as like being treated as a man in the family, I would say that, you know, definitely, um, you know, the boy, well, I said the boy, but this 13 year old man, even though he is considered to be a man, that it's still a process, right? Like as a 13 year old after the weekend, my dad did not kick me out of the house, say I have to get my own job, get my own apartment go drive a car, right? Like that stuff came later, you know, becoming a man, it, it doesn't happen overnight, right? My, even though my dad and my grandfather told me you are a man now, and I was formally given that title, it was still something I had to grow into. So, um, my, my parents, you know, would increase our responsibilities growing up. You know, I think at 13 year old, I, my brothers and I were finally physically at the size where we could push around a lawnmower. So mowing the lawn became one of our responsibilities. Um, later it was like doing your own laundry so that when we got off to college, the whole concept of laundry wasn't a foreign, wasn't foreign to us. Um, when we got our driver's license, like changing our own oil. Um, so things like that, you know, additional responsibility, I would say one really cool thing in, um, in our family that we did after the weekend was so at the, uh, at family holidays, you know, they were pretty big gatherings, uh, maybe, maybe 30 to 35 people, depending on who was in attendance. But, um, you know, there were always a kid, there was always a kid's table and an adult's table. Right. Um, and after the weekend, the, the new man would kind of graduate from the kids table and he would be allowed to sit at the adults table during the holidays and engage in whatever the adults were talking about instead of whatever the kids were talking about. So that was one really cool way to be like uh, another physical, like if it's not clear to you already, like here's another way that like our family is showing you, you're no longer a kid. You are a man or a woman, mm. like you're actually sitting with us. 
That's awesome, man. I love that physical reminder. Um, I Okay, I, I need to be respectful of time, but <laughs> there's so much more to be said, which, funny enough, you guys have a book talking about all of this. You have a website. Um, is there anything else that you want to touch on before we leave, um, or or should we just send people to uh, where they can find more about you? You know, as kind of a final comment, I would say that it's every man's responsibility at some point in his life, at some point in your son's life, to tell your son that you no longer consider him to be a boy, but you consider him to be a man. I think if every father in this country told his son that at the appropriate age, then this country, this this world would be a much better place because boys would not feel the need to prove it to themselves, right? Um, the way that the, the culture, that society, without father telling him that he's a man, the way that the culture will provide that rite of passage is things like the sexual conquest of women, right? She made me a man. Pornography, video game addictions, like video games, you know, in a lot of them, you can like literally slay a dragon. That totally feeds into that masculine soul. Um, joining a gang and violence. Those are all ways that if a boy is never told that he's a man, He's going to engage in some of these activities to try to prove it to himself that he to prove to himself that he has what it takes. So I would say that it's it's every it's every father's responsibility to tell his son that at some point. Um, And then the other thing is that if you are a father listening to this and you're kind of on the fence, like, I don't know if I can do this, uh, I would say for one, you know, you're not doing this for yourself. You're doing this for your son. This is a very uh, selfless cause. And two, um, you're not going to do it alone. You're going to do it with other men that are going to support you in this endeavor. Um, all the weight is not going to fall on your shoulders. And I, I would say, finally, you know, we have so many good resources for free on our website that we've really done, like I said, at least half the work for you. You know, it's all up there. You just kind of need to follow the steps. And um, once you have your your first rite of passage, I think they'll all go smoothly after that. Man, thank you for all of that. Very well said. And can you give us that website one more time, please? Sure, yeah. Our website is milestonetomanhood.com. And that's where you can uh, copy and paste those email templates. It's also a place where you can uh, grab a copy of our book. Nice. Is there anywhere else you guys are active? You do social or anything like that? Or is this just the, the book and the, the website? Just the book and the website. Um, yeah, social media, it's it can be great, but it can also be a curse too, you know? Yeah, So I actually, I love that um, because so many of these things, like I get, I get emails all the time from people looking to pitch their author or whatever. And it's like, oh, he's got this and he can talk about this and he's got this social and this website and this challenge. And it's like, you guys just have the book because you're like, this is important. <laughs> so I actually see that as more, uh, almost more trustworthy, to be honest, um, because, you know, and, and honestly, if you went the route of building this into a business, 100% would be on board because it, it's awesome. Um, I read the book. I appreciate the book. I appreciate you doing this because I 100% agree that if all the men out there weren't running around trying to fill that sort of father-sized, man-sized hole in their life, hmm. they wouldn't be doing the risky behaviors. There would be fewer of the, in my opinion, the guys who get into politics are typically looking for that affirmation that, oh, I am a man, I have power. Um, and having worked with many, many people in that space earlier on in my career, um, I think that's just sad and true is that there's a lot of grown-up boys, not yeah. a lot of good men. So, That's man, thank you for doing this work and thank you for coming on and sharing this with us. Guys, go pick up Milestone to Manhood. We'll send all those links on dad.org slash podcast, which is where you get the show notes. And uh, Stephen, man, thank you again so much for being on. Thanks for having me. It's been an honor to be on your show. Thank you for listening to the Dad Work Podcast. That's it for this episode. But if you would like to stay in touch between weekly episodes, why don't you go over to Instagram and follow me there because I drop a number of things throughout the week that are related to what we talk about on this podcast, but usually go a little bit deeper, provide some tips. You can find me on Instagram at dadwork.curt. That's D-A-D-W-O-R-K dot C-U-R-T. And please, if you have been getting something out of this podcast, if it has touched you, if it has improved your marriage, your parenting, or your life, 
Would you please leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify? Leave a rating. If you have a few extra seconds, leave a quick review. That's the best way that we can get this work in the hands of more fathers. And I truly believe that we change the world one father at a time because each father that parents better, that loves better, raises children who do the same. And in just a couple of generations, I feel like we could be living in a world much better than the one we live in today. Your review will help along that path. And I thank you so much for being here to listen. Until next week, we'll see you then.